Welcome to the Worst Week Yet, the least informed podcast on the left. It's a podcast where every week we eat pieces of shit like you for girl dinner. You eat pieces of shit for girl dinner? No, no. I, uh, I, uh, 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 I'm your host, Andrew Hillary. And I'm joined once again by my longtime <laughs> friend, most times co host, Edie Rose Deanna. What's up? <laughs> Oh, man. You know, just trying to girl dinner my way through it. <laughs> just trying to, you know. Do you like that little intro? Right? Yeah. There was characters in it. Yeah, I really I really appreciated that. It reminded me of uh, of a Kanye moment from before Kanye was terrible. In one of, in one of his songs, some, he says, you, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. And then he says, man, you eat pieces of shit. <laughs> It's that's also referencing an Adam Sandler movie from the nineties. Oh. That is I guess Kanye stole it from Happy Gilmore. And yeah. who knows who Happy Gilmore stole it stole store it. Anyways, you we got what? a guest. Put Happy Gilmore, <laughs> put your DVD of Happy Gilmore in storage because we've got a guest. We have a guest. Uh folks, you may know her from Twitter as the Brave Little Poster. She is uh one of the founders of the blog, The Addicts Collective. Please welcome Virgil Virgil to the pod. Hello. Hi there. Hi there. I had my little, you know, girl dinner earlier and I'm revved up, ready to go. Ooh, I like it. Girl dinner for brunch. Very reckless. <laughs> we, I stand. I stand a girl dinner for brunch. Yeah. It's a lot. It's one of these. On. When you, when you have it at a weird time, there's, there's different names for it. So there's like a girl supper, you know, if it's, if it's girl, early in the evening. Girl supper is just when you have girl dinner, but you're wearing a dress that goes past your ankles. Girl levensies <laughs> is when you, uh, Eat a tiny meal between breakfast and lunch and are also a hobbit. Girl fourth meal? I don't <laughs> <laughs> Potatoes. Yeah, Anyways. I, mean, I uh I, I had myself some girl dinner yesterday. I went to a seafood restaurant and got a crab boil that was enough to easily feed two people and I almost died trying to finish it. I I there was like maybe like four or five shrimps and two potatoes. I just could not it is so rare for me to order a meal, even if it's too much food, and not finish it. I was ashamed. I have a question. Okay. I I want to know because you said you had yourself a girl dinner and <laughs> and then you described a luxurious <laughs> meal which you ate all of and so I want to know like what what is your impression of life as a girl and what do you think we be eating for dinner? What do you think girl dinner? What do you think girl dinner is all about? Girl dinners when you're a girl and you eat whatever the fuck you want for dinner. That was a really good and safe answer, mm -hmm, and you know mm -hmm. what? <laughs> I. I still don't think you know what the fuck you're talking about, but I do think you know enough uh, to not say things that are going to get you in trouble with me personally, and that's survival <laughs> skills, and I'm proud of you. Look, the best I can possibly do in this world is try to survive it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say is try not to get in trouble with me, and I was like, damn, am I really that bad? Nah, nah. Um, uh, Virgil, define girl dinner. <laughs> Um, I feel like it's basically a charcuterie board. Like, like it has to yeah. involve rich crackers specifically. I, think I well, you know, for my for my girl dinner uh, earlier, it was just like two of those mini rolls of rich crackers with nothing on them, two at a time. For me, girl dinner is you know you've girl you've girl bossed you've girl bossed <laughs> so hard all day, um, and now you're really fucking hungry, but you actually have 
no energy left with which to feed yourself. So you just nibble on like an array of bites of things uh, until you give up. Like you, (laughs) (laughs) you have, you are trying to synthesize enough calories to feel like you have responsibly uh, kept yourself alive for the day. But like, yeah, like you don't want to have a, a hard time falling asleep because your stomach hurts because you're hungry, but you definitely don't have the energy to like eat anything. So you just like chew on some ice chips and like smoke a cigarette and then mm-hmm. uh, uh, like eat five Oreos and lay down. That's girl dinner. So, so what you're telling me is that this whole new hermeneutical concept, concept is yet another case of like mainstream society blatantly ripping off spoony culture. Yet again, I thought you were going to say mainstream culture uh, normalizing passive anorexia, but <laughs> you know, they, mainstream culture has us all the way fucked up out here. They're coming at us left, right, and center. The girlies can't win. The dinner is the dinner is burned. We're fucked. Now, I have a question, um, which I feel like you you will get mad at me for asking. Um, what is it called if? Say one were to hypothetically, this is totally not something I do. Uh, what is it called when one uh, goes to the fridge and takes a slice of turkey, uh, like deli meat turkey, rolls it up, and then dips that raw into a jar of mayonnaise and then eats the mayonnaise covered turkey? What's that called? Mm, it's a breadless sandwich. Okay, okay, that's a that's a low carb. Honestly, I think. <laughs> I think Dr. Atkins would have good things to say about that. And once again, that's another example of mainstream culture normalizing passively disordered eating. So I think that uh, you're you're on brand with the rest of America. Hmm. Welcome to that's the party. That's almost like a DIY jalapeno popper, except not cooked or anything. Yeah, it's like a jalapeno <laughs> popper for pilgrims. Like <laughs> The spicy part is the mayonnaise, and then it's just turkey and cheese. Wow. It's like a finger sandwich, but like... Did you say the spicy part is the mayonnaise? Yeah. So I said for pilgrims. (laughs) Well, uh, I honestly thought me uh, uh, hypothetically saying uh, that I were to do eat in that... I thought you were going to give me a a disgust react, but okay. You know what? Sometimes you just got to stand in front of the fridge and eat some stuff. And it doesn't even what you're eating doesn't make sense. You're like, I ate a piece of cheese. I ate a strawberry. I put some juice in a little juice cup. Then I had some grapes. And now I'm eating two bites of cold left leftover penne pasta. And then you're like, now I got to walk away. Because yeah. that's all the fridge had to offer you. And later when that that assortment did nothing for you, you're going to go back to the same fridge and be greeted with the same array of foods and follow the same process of steps that leads you to eating the same weird kind of gross combination of things. And then you're just going to repeat that until once again, you give up and lay down. I feel like often people listen to this entire podcast and learn nothing. And I feel like people are learning a lot today and we, we are still in our opening segment. So that's, yeah. this is great. This is yeah. great. And what we wanted to learn about actually was what, what we said we were going to learn about in this segment was what the <laughs> addict collective is about. Yes. Um, and then instead we just talked about 
Uh, so, sorry for talking about a trending phrase that's been on the internet other, this week. <laughs> just another troubled collective, TBH. So um, no, it's 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 but, great. Girl dinner is. I'm here for the people the, posting like the you know, girl a dinner of collective. The, the girl dinner collective. I'm angry, Andrew, because you ate the girl dinner that the girlies deserve. The girlies deserve to go out and order too much food and eat all of it anyways and have a little tummy ache after. Um, I ate so much shellfish that my pee was cloudy. Okay, that was... Now, see, you, you, you really... You want the disgust react. Look, I gotta work for it sometimes. Listen, if you're out there... And by work for it, I mean just tell the truth. If you're out there and you're listening and you think that I'm mean to Andrew... Please know <laughs> that it is deserved. But I really do want to know, Virgil, before we talk about uh, our favorite people, our patrons, or uh, our least favorite people, the people in the news, can you, will you tell us quickly what, what the Addict Collective is about? Because I think uh, it's something cool and important and, and interesting. So now Yes, absolutely. Um, I just, give me, give me like one more second to work through the rest of that shellfish thing. Um, <laughs> so, so the, the Attic Collective, um, is this, is this new blog that I started with my friend, Anna, who's also on Twitter. Um, her handle's in my bio. Um, basically we, we started this project because there's this big open space and we think it's really important for people in general and, uh, leftist liberationists in particular to start conceptualizing um, addicts, people who have atypical relationships to substances or processes like like gambling um, as an oppressed category, um, subject to particular oppressions, right? Um, so this is, you know, like, like an offshoot of similar disability activism efforts like um, mad liberation, like neurodivergent liberation. Um, so, so basically a lot of what we do on the blog, we write about our experience. We try to cultivate new concepts to describe the kinds of things that might be relevant to a community endeavor of addicts who want to talk about the ways in which we're marginalized by society. So, so yeah, I have a lot of posts about it. I have a, a whole several part uh, series on what addict depression actually is and how it works through incarceration, institutionalization and so on. Um, but, but yeah, that's basically well, that sounds really interesting. Um, how, what is the, like, where can people, what's the link? Yeah, I was going to say, how can people find the Attic Collective? Where are you? Where where do we find you for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like every other sort of um, dissociative leftist, I'm on a substack. So so it's, <laughs> it's addictcollective.substack.com. You've got um, some great company over there. And also <laughs> some of the worst fucking people. Oh, that some have ever terrible. Lived. <laughs> much it like is every, a, it is a bimodal distribution for sure. Much like everything else on the internet, you win some, you lose some. And speaking of winning some and losing some, uh, right now the addict collective Substack is non monetized. So you can go over there and subscribe for free. And yep. then with the money that you didn't pay for that, you can head on over to www.patreon.com slash worst week yet to be a patron of this podcast. And you know oh, what? We love our low. patrons. We love our patrons. And 
is the most hardcore fucking ad pivot I've ever heard in my life. Yes, support our friend doing meaningful work for free and also give us money to be fucking idiots in microphones. You really, you really framed it as taking the money directly from, you know, addict agitating for liberation. Yeah, you know. No, 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 it is, it is not monetized. Uh, she's totally right. I really wanted to nail in what pieces of shit we are. You know, well, I was really wanting to work for the disgust react on that one. I gave it my all. Did I think I did okay? You exceeded expectations by far. <laughs> Oh, oh man yeah. wow that was really fun that was slick though right yeah you didn't see it coming I did, I did here's the thing is that i didn't see it coming at first and then whenever i saw what you were starting to do i was like oh no she isn't <laughs> oh no she's going in. and oh fuck oh fuck i do eat pieces of shit for girl dinner anyways patreon.com slash worst week yet if you sign up giving $10 a month, you don't have to. You can just give a couple bucks, but $10 a month, that means you get a personal thank you. So just want to give a big shout out to our Papa, piece of the, Papa, our top level supporters. Jim the Brandons. You fuck like my dad. Chauncey Anders, Terminally Online Leftist, Zap Actions Downer, Andrea Humphrey, Goblin Mode, Optimist Crime, Darren is Awesome, The Man in the West, Nan DeAngelis, Josh Troopin, Nick Adams, Parentheses, Alpha Male, AJ for Baltimore, Idnex, Dragula 206, Brienne, and CIA Brainbugs. Thank you very much. Patreon.com slash Worst Weekend. All right. All but right. support her thing too. Yes. Because that's like real and important. Yes. You don't have to pay. I mean, I, I pay you to just yell at you for, for an hour or so. Yeah, it's great. No, no, it's- We're doing great here. So, without further ado, um, we unfortunately have to talk about the news. And, and I'm, I'm really sorry to do this. Um, but, but it must be done. So, let's just begin with, uh, I want to speak, I want to begin with a bombshell story from the world of health and wellness and honestly maybe this might change the world once once scenes hear this so I, i'm just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get into it just gonna just gonna let it rip uh this week a new study a comprehensive study found that zero amish children have been diagnosed with autism cancer or diabetes that's right folks zero that's not a little bit that's none the amish are uh highlanders no they're invincible nothing can kill an amish uh, they do die a lot but nothing can be diagnosed they are disease free and here's you wouldn't believe it the simplest way to avoid ever testing positive for cancer or diabetes or autism uh they just don't go to the doctor ever Do you believe that? I mean, you know, here's the thing is, is we tried to say that, uh, the Donald Trump didn't speak for all Americans, but you know what? (laughs) When DJT said we shouldn't test for COVID because if we didn't test for COVID, then there wouldn't be as many COVID cases. He was just, he was just taking cues from, uh, our, our Amish compatriots. Is that a word? Did I make that word up? I think it is a word. I don't know what it means or how to use it. No, yeah, that was right. Uh, But, but yeah, you know, he just, he was just hearing what the Amish people had to say. He heard them and he saw them. And then he applied their uh, baseless logic to a whole other thing, which was bad and not cool. Now, it's funny that you bring up uh, COVID-19, Deanna, um, 
because this study uh, also included the fact that COVID death rates were 90% lower than the rest of the, I'm sorry, 90 times lower than the rest of the country, not 90%, 90 times lower. Uh, and this, this study, of course, I don't know if you are aware, was done by the uh, Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. So, uh, I mean, some are saying that there might be a bit of bias in this, you know. So what, what are they trying to push that, uh, that what the Amish don't get vaccinated and they, so, and then these things don't happen to them. And the reason why those things happen is because vaccines, is that the ultimate narrative here? Well, you never know. Like, this is just how science works. Okay. <laughs> I don't, yes, Virgil, is this narrative. how you think science works? <laughs> Do you know anything about science? Do you know what science is? Have you heard about our Lord and Savior science? <laughs> no. No science thoughts. No response to this staggering. I I think maybe, I don't know, like like for all I know, they're on something. I, I wake up every day and feel like shit and don't know why. Maybe that's the... Maybe that's the way to go. I mean, it, obviously it feels like they're trying to prove both sides of the of the claim at once. They're taking the statistics for the vaccines and also for the incidents and, you know, for all these things in this isolated population. But the narrative that like Amish people are just like, you know, super, super strong is 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 almost so cool that that I wish it were true. Here's <laughs> the thing is that like there probably is and I'm going to say there's probably something to the fact that like Amish people have very like low processed foods, low sugar intake. Um, so they might have like definitely less diabetes but like other like conditions that are you know not exactly caused by our diets or whatever but like probably aids it or attrib uh, attributes to it is attributed to is yeah. attribute um so like there could be something but this is like entirely like they don't get vaccines that means they don't have autism and it's like none not a single person in an Amish community has ever been tested for autism <laughs> like it's not actually proving that. Yeah, they're trying to <laughs> aggregate, like, they're trying to present the aggregate of two, like, disparate uh, pieces of information as a congruent whole they're that doesn't to, exist. They're trying to say a guy who has never once in his life tried a Choco Taco, that his opinion matters on whether or not they're good. It's not, you don't have the data, my man. You got to do the test. You got to do the testing. We're not checking. We're they're not, not checking. <laughs> yeah so uh for the, for the transmissible diseases too i mean like there's if you're if you're not traveling a lot if you're not in context where you're going to get infected of course the the rates are going to be lower yeah yeah if you don't have contact with the if you're not going yeah. to like concerts and malls you can't get a communicable <laughs> disease if you're not i see myself in a six foot by three foot glass prism I did. Yeah. I did actually look into this a little bit, and we we try not to do too much research on this show, virtual. But I did look into this a little bit, and uh, I found like multiple stories from, uh, like mid, like spring of twenty twenty one that that were like Amish communities did so well with the first round of COVID because they were isolated. But now that people have started to travel more, uh, the the increased death rates among Amish communities are skyrocketing. So like this, is the fucking, the study isn't even true. Lots of Amish people died of COVID. Like, like that is documented. <laughs> the study's just lying. Uh, but Hey, you know, that's the cool thing about science is that, uh, 
you know, they are, our opponents always say that we're making it up and then they just make it up. And that's probably why they think that. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I be like a, a, a bit of a disability advocate spoil sport or is that like the wrong kind of shitty? No, of course. Please. My, my, when it comes to this sort of like these kinds of through glass darkly claims that get presented about like vaccines and autism, um, my immediate worry is always, well, it shouldn't be immediate. Like, like we shouldn't necessarily think that being autistic is bad in the first place. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Why, you know, why should we the idea that we should care whether like, you know, vaccines increase risk of being autistic, which which of which obviously they don't. But, you know, like like you you see in these kinds of like, you know, in these studies, like the, the the ableism is just seeping off every page that being autistic is the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. Um, and really, I mean, if the trade off is vaccine, they, they clearly think it's 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 worse than possibly death. Like, I get that maybe autism because they're, you know, it's so broad that like some of the um, more extreme ends of a spectrum is, is would be scary for a parent. Um, but like, dude, isn't polio more scary? Like what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, and the- I don't want my kid to have autism. So we're going to risk putting them in an iron lung. Like what? But I see exactly like also what Virgil's saying about like just the, the presumption, like the baseline presumption that autism is something bad because like in this quote unquote comprehensive study, they slated it against, uh, uh, terminal illnesses that if left untreated, like result in fatality. If you don't manage your diabetes, you die. If you don't treat cancer, it metastasizes and you die. Like, if you never quote unquote intervene on a person with autism, the direct result in not managing or not like trying to quote unquote manage someone's autism uh, is not their fucking death. Yeah. So the fact that they like slated autism like up next to these these life threatening uh, illnesses as if it's like same, same, but different is is. That's that's what you were like, kind of trying to call out, yeah, Virgil. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I think I, it, I think it comes. Oh no, I was going to say like I I I don't think that that makes you like a disability advocate, spoil sport. Like that's calling attention to like that's the lead that they're continuously burying uh, about about neurodivergence, especially, um, but about mental health, anything as well. Like it's there that's the subtext that's always buried inside of all of this and it's just like another problematic layer to the problematic narrative yeah the comparison to you know like i'm glad you brought that up like the comparison to the other contrast cases which were what uh diabetes and cancer right really Mm -hmm. betrays this 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 idea that they have right they have this like mental canard of like what they you know quote unquote low functioning autism right and it really is they think that being, you know, a kid who doesn't talk, who doesn't interact in this sort of normative way is wor- is is worse than death. Um, I mean, it, it really relies on this sort of like normative model of social functionality, which I think is also why 
the the Amish are such are, are this sort of beautiful crystal clear case example because when these sorts of people think about Amish people they think about like the Protestant work ethic they think about this industriousness and being in nature and working hard and all that all this stuff that they imagine that intellectually disabled people and autistic people and and what have you can't do yeah but I think they also admire the Amish because I'm pretty sure for the Amish women are still property. Uh, that's, you know, just, a, a, <laughs> there's they a can't certain, go eat a, eat a girl dinner. There's yeah. A certain subset of America really wishes that was still the case. So, um, shout out to Rumspringa. All right, let's move on. Uh, so while we're on the subject of public health, I want to talk about a story I saw that there's like, I've almost no important news this week. So we're going to talk about a lot of nonsense. Uh, <laughs> this week, Chuck Schumer came out and said that he is calling on the FDA to look into restricting prime energy drink. Do you know, do you guys know what prime energy drink is? No, I don't know anything about no. that. It is the big thing of the summer for kids. Uh, it is uh, made by Logan Paul and another YouTuber named KSI, which I have no fucking clue who that is. Uh, so apparently prime energy drink has 200 milligrams of caffeine. That's six Coca-Colas worth in one can. And kids are going fucking crazy for it. Apparently it's like every time a store gets it in stock, it sells out immediately. And kids are just like going nuts. And uh, 200 milligrams of, of, of caffeine in one can. That's ridiculous. I have questions. Like I need to know, how does this measure up to surge? Uh, surge, I believe, was 75. I'd have to look it up. I, I was listening to it. It's nowhere near. 200 milligrams is like caffeine pill uh, yeah. ranges. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's the kind of... Even, like, like like as, as a reasonably sized adult, if you very quickly consume 200 milligrams of caffeine, you feel unhinged and, like, the world is... Like, the walls are peeling for, like... Six hours. Surge. It's an, it's an amazing amount of caffeine. Surge was fifty-one uh, uh, milligrams of Damn. caffeine. So that's just shotgunning four surges. That's pretty gnarly. Yeah, I guess a cup of good coffee is about ninety-five. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like it's not something that's gonna kill you, but like you know, if you're drinking two or three in a day, because I. I don't understand people who drink energy drinks like that. Like, I mean, I drink usually two cups of coffee almost every day, but like people that will drink like four monster energy drinks in a day like that. I don't understand what that life is like. Okay. So a 12, a 12 ounce Red Bull is 111 milligrams of caffeine. Uh, and I would say I definitely will drink two 12 ounce Red Bulls in a day. I also take Vivance. I also, I, like, my brain can't brain without that um, help. You're also riddled with anxiety. So, like, there could be. <laughs> it actually makes my anxiety better. Mm. Sure. Uh, A lot of people do report that for, like, uh, caffeine and nicotine. You'd think it would be the opposite. But, like, for anxiety, 
often people are like, oh, this really helps. I had half a weed edible last night and it, I didn't feel it at all. The last time I took a whole one, I spiraled into like doom and gloom and I didn't really feel anything at all except my thumb hurt. I don't know if that was related or not. I think, <laughs> I think that I might gave have been myself separate. Gout. Anyways. Um, Anyways. Uh, so yeah, look at the Senate. They can't help us do uh, get health care or uh, anything really, but they, maybe they can take out an energy drink. Sure. Yeah, it seems like a totally reasonable thing for them to be doing. But, you know, that's the thing. Our government is really just right now they're so invested in uh, protecting kids. They're really, you know, the right is trying to protect kids from uh, gay stuff. And uh, the left is trying to protect kids from caffeine. And so kids are really safe. Kids right now, safer than ever. Safest time to be a kid. See, Nobody's this? protecting them from guns, communicable diseases, uh, abuse oh. of many forms, homelessness. Uh, yeah, but you know. I'm just now realizing that uh, Alex Jones should really weigh in on this because like, think about it. If the Democrats don't want kids to have caffeine, that means they don't want them to wake up. That means they want them to stay asleep and live in the matrix. <laughs> Don't the drink. Democrats want your kids to be sheep. <laughs> Don't drink. What's it called? Prime. Prime. Don't drink prime energy drink. It will turn your kid into a gay frog. <laughs> or they'll turn into a gay frog without it. We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> what we need is some comprehensive data. We should put them in the water data. to be safe. We should see <laughs> how many Amish kids are gay frogs. If you, if you gave an Amish kid a <laughs> the control prime, group. <laughs> Yeah, comprehensive data. Yeah, well, you know that you know that meme that's like, um, this tweet would have killed a medieval peasant. Yeah, yeah, it's that, but for the Amish kid in the in the prime energy drink. I want to see an Amish kid on on. I don't know. I think we should test everything on the Amish at least once. Like, I want to see an Amish person on acid. I think that might be a hate crime. You know. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, NSA agent. He is not an asshole. He is just a fucking idiot. He is not trying to hate crime. The Amish. There's a chance I could be both. You're, Listen, you're if you're Amish helping. and you're listening to this, first of all, you're in trouble. You should not be listening to something on technology. Second of all, uh, you want to do some drugs together? Just let me know. Email me or send me a letter. I can, can, can Amish, Amish can use the mail, right? You're embarrassing the family. <laughs> I feel like a lot of like, like most practicing Amish people aren't in uh, like cloistered uh, yeah, communities. This these isn't days. fucking the village by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> like, that, I hated that movie. That movie sucked. That movie sucked dick. M. Night Shyamalan got the, the plot twist hype for what he did in The Sixth Sense and that was good and then that was all he had for like every movie forever. Then he found out that that trope was not continually useful. Then he started to try to make other movies and somehow they sucked worse and now here the fuck we are. I'm a you science know apologist so... <laughs> This may be, I'm going to say this in like a non-legally uh, actionable way. The plot <laughs> of the village is uncannily similar, um, a lot of people have always said, to the plot of this book by the children's author, Margaret Peterson Haddix, that was released some like, I don't know, 10 or 15 years earlier called Running Out of Time. Ooh. Very, very similar plot line. <laughs> um well, uh, well, I know. appreciate you not saying anything legally actionable. Uh, as, <laughs> as for me, M. Night, I'm coming for you. Um, 
M Night? Is that like what what M Night goes by? I hope so. Gosh. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Is he just making people call him M? Is he letting some people use whatever name that M stands for? I'm definitely not calling that motherfucker Knight. Like, you can't work. That's wor- not a... Yeah, I'm not yeah. calling you Knight. I'm not calling you Mr. Shyamalan, unless you ask me nicely to, or, like, we have some kind of business dealing wherein that's contractually required. But no. So M Knight it is. My friend told me he had a dream about me. Um, This is probably like 15 years ago. And he said in the dream, I was a uh, famous rapper. And my uh, my rap name was A. Hilly B. Hmm. You know what? That sounds oddly. (laughs) I'm going to say this in a legally, uh, not in a legally actionable way. That sounds eerily similar (laughs) to the plot of of a book by, by... children's author uh margaret haddix uh from from a book called running out of lines and what the fuck is happening right now i don't know what's the next news story inflation remember that i don't know the government hates us tell me about inflation so uh inflation the numbers came out this week inflation is at its lowest level in two years so last month ever the cost of everything only went up three percent here's the thing people are saying this is great news and i'm like dog like realistically if everything gets three percent more expensive in a month that's a bad that's bad like it should be it should go how's come nothing ever goes down like can we do that once one month where everything goes down, even 1%, even just to like get that little effort. We're like, ah, we're going to take five cents off this total pro- the total price here. I'd be like, you know what? That's not much, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing it. Here's that. the thing. If the price of everything wasn't going up, then uh, we wouldn't be able to prop up capitalist sale culture and the idea of status symbols that's manufactured by being able to buy higher priced goods at a quote unquote markdown. I went to Bed Bath and Beyond yesterday. Um, Bed Bath and Beyond is going out of business, like as a concept, like the whole company is shutting down. Yep. And so I went to a Bed Bath and Beyond yesterday, and they were having an everything is between sixty and eighty percent off sale, and it was fucking pandemonium in there. Uh, it was like. Half of the shelves were just like picked over clean and there was like 3000 Keurig machines. I guess they have a lot of Keurig machines in stock. They can't get rid of. Um, and I bought some, um, ice cube trays <laughs> for like $3. Yeah. Like the nice silicone ones, the silicone ones. Yeah. Oh, I'm obsessed with so those. It's so great. It's so great. We Are they just doing cubes that. or like, did you get shapes? Oh, they only had cubes left. <laughs> No shapes for you. No shapes for me. The early bird gets the shapes. shape cubes. I'm imagining like the stampede of, you know, people at the Everything Must Go sale, like clamoring for the $2 like star-shaped ice cube trays. Like that was their design and intent in going there. Somebody definitely got hit with someone else's Dooney and Burke purse. And that's what <laughs> that's what, what I feel about that. And based on the suburbs of Pittsburgh, that I know it's true. Also, whenever I was getting uh, checking out, I, I got a candle too because it was pretty. It was very cheap. Whenever I was checking out, I was talking to the cashier and I was like, "This is pretty exciting, huh? Like going out of business <laughs> sale. Like you, you don't see this." And she's like, "No, actually, we're all sad. We really like this job." And I was like, "Oh, 
that that's a bummer. Yep. In like 20 different ways. Yeah. Um, so, uh, they still wouldn't let me into the beyond section. All right. That's a joke from the movie click with Adam Sandler. <clears throat> Anyways, inflation. It's, I don't, everything costs a lot of money. Fuck it. Who cares? I don't know. <laughs> inflation sucks. Money is made up and we're all suffering because of it. Let's, Thanks a lot. Imaginations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about another, uh, I would say, uh, victim of the economy and, you know, not just the economy, but also, uh, cancel culture. Uh, that's right. It, we're going to talk about a man who has suffered a, 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 a twofold defeat. Uh, and that is of course, Mike pillow, um, <laughs> CEO of my pillow, Mike Lindell, uh, <laughs> this week, <laughs> He announced that he is uh, selling everything he has left uh, from the My Pillow factory. Not it, not just the stock, but also like the machines, like all the like the, sewing he's machines. Like, and I've got three thousand Keurig machines, and they have <laughs> got to go. He's like, it's your pillow, your pillow now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think the problem is that you know, Mike Pillow, he just. He was a narcissist and everything was about himself and he needed to think about pillows for the customer. And instead it was all me, 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 my, 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 my pillow. And, and that didn't work as a brand. There's no I in pillow. <laughs> There's one. <laughs> There's no my in pillow. <laughs> I almost said there's no my in pillow, but there is a you. And then I realized there's just an O. <laughs> there is an ow in pillow. There is a low in pillow. <laughs> and you know what? We've hit we've hit the bottom. We've hit, <laughs> we've hit the low in, in pillow. Uh Mike Pillow. <laughs> I'm sorry, Virgil. I'm laughing uncontrollably at a dumb thing that I said. Um a Mike Pillow. <laughs> international known loser. Loses again. <laughs> What do you think about Big Pillow? You got any got any hot thoughts on on Big Pillow? Do you like a firm pillow? I that whole my pillow thing is sort of such a fever dream. I like <laughs> I like two pillows. I can't. I'm not a one pillow style of person. It's just it's it's not enough. You know, like you gotta Polly Pillow Amory. <laughs> oh, that's oh man. I should, I should be dead. I should be pillow dead. Am, pillow Amory. Pillow Amory, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why people keep listening to the show, but I'm so glad you're here, listeners. Um, yeah, we're having a good time. We're just laughing while everything falls the fuck apart, including ourselves. <laughs> including ourselves. Uh, okay. I like to have two pillows because I wish I was a maximalist, but then I actually just like to lay my head flat on the bed because I'm actually uh, austere and most comfortable when I'm deeply uncomfortable. I have five pillows. Uh, but I use three of, I use four of them to section off a, most of my mattress so that there's just one small sliver where there's, uh, just mattress and nothing else on it. And that's where gravy likes to sleep. She doesn't want to be on top of a pillow. She doesn't want to be on a blanket. She wants to be just on the mattress. Well, on the sheets, but yeah, she doesn't want to be on anything. So that way, uh, that gives gravy her own little like section off space. And then I sleep with one pillow. Um, it's my pillow, but it's not a my pillow. You know what I'm saying? 
I think that having pillows available to you and then laying just flat down on the mattress is the sleep equivalent of girl dinner. <laughs> girl. I was gonna, um, I, I, I worry that it's reminiscent of like the, uh, the, the planking trend from however many years ago. It's gotta be flat. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Um, okay. Let's move on. Uh, We've got some uh, hor- horrifying stories to talk about here. Uh, we're going to, it's going to ramp, it's going to get worse as it goes. So first up, uh, Tommy Tuberville. You know who, you know who Tommy Tuberville is? No, did you just make that up? No, he is a fucking Alabama senator who, if I'm you're sorry, thinking. What? That's, that's his, re- that's his real name. His name is Tommy Tumor, T- Tommy Tuberville. Uh, if you're thinking that is a ridiculous name for a senator, you're right. Uh, but it's a very fitting name for a college football coach, which was his job before he was a senator. <laughs> he was a fucking college football coach, coach at Auburn uh, University or whatever, and then ran for Congress or er, for Senate and won. Uh, he is a fucking psycho. He's a tr- big Trump guy. You know, stop the steal, all that bullshit. He's very conservative, uh, super racist. Like, he's just, he's exactly who you would think of if you heard the name Tommy Tuberville. Uh, I think of, like, a, a, <laughs> a radish that is actually uh-uh. the villain on, like, an episode of Veggie Tales. Like, I'm not, I was not thinking racist at all. Like, definitely bad guy no. vibe. Definitely bad guy vibes, but not that not that bad. Well, I will say racist radish. Like in a not fun too way. Far off. His last name is like Potato City. <laughs> right, right. I thought like you know a little low level shenaniganry. You, you hear the last name Tuberville, you're like this guy's gonna invade Idaho. Right, like I thought that he was gonna like heist. Like I thought that there was gonna be a sweet potato heist afoot, and and come find out it's. Hate crimes? Fuck. Yeah. So anyways, um, Tommy Tuberville, he is, uh, he's been blocking all of Joe Biden's uh, military promotions because uh, his reasoning, he does not want, he, he does not like that the military allows uh, people to get abortions that are in the military. If you're in the military and you become pregnant uh, even if you are stationed in a state that has banned abortion, the military will pay for you to travel to get an abortion in another state because the military wants you uh, to keep serving, not be a parent. So, you know, the way that the government looks at it, uh, you know, <laughs> your uh, – <laughs> sacrifice i don't i don't know what i'm trying to say basically the the government is like it's more important that you be available to kill other people than for us to care about um you you terminating pregnancy i think that the government is sending a clear message here which is that uh the penalty for that they believe that the penalty for uh terminating a pregnancy should be getting sent to fucking war yeah uh okay that is an an angle Uh, (laughs) (laughs) the comprehensive data really is supporting me here yeah there's like something bouncing around in my brain and i can't figure out the way to say it so i'm just gonna power through and ignore it um but yeah so (laughs) wait dry fridge magnets come on we're smart virgil and i are smart we can figure it out no you just heard me try and say it like that yeah no i want to i i have a take and i want to see if yours is, is similar to mine 
Um, it's. I'm trying to. But you go first. Uh, it's basically that like, um, the the taking away someone's freedom of choice is superseded by uh, exploiting anybody that is willing to sign up to be in the military. Uh, it's like, you know, throwing your values out the window as long as you can use somebody as fucking cannon fodder. I, I, Here's I the don't thing. fucking know. I actually <laughs> do. I actually do agree with you. Like what I was saying about uh, the penalty for terminating a pregnancy being sent is being sent off to war like that. I was mostly being flip. Uh, but but a lot of the abortion access issue, what really lies at the heart and soul of it is uh, guaranteeing a labor force, a military force, a police force. Mm -hmm. So like uh, for civilians who want to have an a, a pregnancy termination procedure, uh, that is taking away, that is long-term cutting down on the workforce, labor force, and the potential military force. But for, like, a person serving in the military, active military duty, uh, terminating a pregnancy is in the in the immediate cutting someone out of the military labor force. So either way, what they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to fuck you either way. And they're trying to put your... They're trying to make sure that there are, you know, enough people to co be cogs in the machine for the foreseeable future. It's, it's the commodification of bodies, right, as workers. Mm -hmm. And I think you we saw this uh, back when Roe v. Wade got overturned. There was a bunch of there were a bunch of screenshots circulating of various like really big corporations basically assuring their companies we're going to pay for you to you're assuring their employees we're going to pay for you to travel to get an abortion if you need one and again on the surface level there's this thing where it's like okay this is like operationally useful for people's material conditions and then you look at it and you realize the perverse incentives and it's just this like this double bind like you're really damned if you do damned if you don't like you know they yeah, don't they it's... don't like what they what they don't want is is any sort of choice either either direction they just want you to be a, a working body the other thing that's, is yeah that's it exactly yeah so. no you're right the other thing is that uh like the companies that are offering that stuff are companies that they're they're not offering it to every employee all the time they're offering it to higher level employees uh typically to people uh more frequently like most frequently uh women like the kind, the kind of positions where they ask you passively if you're planning on starting a family uh, in your job interview so they can determine your potential long-term work value, that's who they're offering this abortion travel to. Uh, they're not offering it to, you know, like... like uh, checkers at the store level. Like, I, I don't know if Target is a company that, that offers that, for example, but like they're offering that shit at the executive level where like middle management and above could likely afford to access those services for themselves anyways. So it's this like performative offering and also this guarantee of like a labor force, but they're not offering it to uh, uh, essential essential worker level employees, which is just another like another twist in the binds of uh classism right right because if you're if you are not regarded as important under capitalism as doing important work as creating profit then your body itself becomes the commodity it's what can you produce what can you literally give birth to that's part of your value 
So if you're, you know, like toward, in, you know, in this sort of like higher echelon, it, it looks more like we want to keep you here working. But then if you're, if you're lower, your, your body itself, like, well, you know, we're also looking at the, lit the literal children you might have are like, are your contribution to capital. Yeah. Like that is a means of production. Yeah. Uh, it's horrifying. And hey, as I said, I I, as I here. promised, uh, it is going to get worse. Our next story <laughs> along the same lines, but uh, I would say potentially one one of the most horrifying things uh, we've reported on in quite some time. Uh, and also an even more horrifying signifier of what is to come in this country. This week, a Nebraska mother and daughter were both... Uh, sentenced to two years in prison for, you guessed it, the mom helped her daughter get an abortion. And they are going to jail now. Uh, now, this was uh, a, an acquaintance fucking uh, ratted them out. This girl was, I believe, 29 weeks pregnant. Uh, she was 17 and uh, she, they were unable to get any kind of abortion in her state uh, at that stage of pregnancy. So the mom found so, some abortion pills and then she uh, had a stillbirth and they destroyed the remains. And so like they've been charged with like uh, like not just a, a, essentially murder, but also like destroying a crime scene and shit like that. It's fucking crazy. Conspiracy, um, I bet. The wildest part is the way that the police were able to determine this uh, was th they had communicated via Facebook Messenger and they subpoenaed fucking Meta and Mark Zuckerberg handed them over their fucking message records where they talked about this. Um, and now a mother and daughter are both going to jail. America. Wow. Ever, ever heard of it? Wow. Hey, you know, isn't freedom great? Like, it's that like lady, the freest. It's that the lady thought she was doing a 29-week abortion. She did a 17-year abortion, uh, however old she herself is. Wow, they just really, <laughs> America out here killing people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess because they pleaded guilty, uh, their sentences were reduced. The mom was facing almost a decade in prison for all the charges uh, that Jesus she... Fuck. Yeah. Um, so and you just know that they think right like the 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 lawmakers think they're being gracious by reducing the sentence yeah you uh, know i <sighs> they think they're being merciful i don't know what the fuck they're thinking uh but it's horrifying but you know what honestly and i hate to say it Ugh. uh but if someone told me that my options were uh what what is it two years two years yeah go to jail for two years or uh have a child to take care of for the next several decades that i obviously felt uh, uh incapable of doing yeah and they're not going to be amish so they might have cancer right i uh i would just you know i'm not saying prison is the preferred option there but i would think about it I would think really hard. Uh, I certainly don't want to diminish the the many, many, many problematic outcomes of being entrapped in our carceral system. 
by saying like, I would rather go to jail for two years and be forced to uh, give birth to and produce a person that I materially couldn't care for. But, you know, if those were my two options... It wouldn't be the easiest choice. Right. I, I see what you're saying. Um, it's 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 very horrifying. Yeah, um, it's horrifying. It's horrifying that those are the choices. But even just thinking about it, like that was not necessarily the choice that they felt that they were making. But like looking at it in a rearview mirror sense, if my choice was like get locked up for two years or have... I mean, are you going to take care of a child for the rest of your life? Or are you going to take drag felony charges behind you for the rest of your life? What's, you know, yeah. either way, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Uh, I hate it here. I do. I hate it here. And I'll tell you what, Virgil, Deanna, we've been, we've been talking about a lot of rough stuff. Do you want to, do you think we should lighten the mood here a little bit? I think maybe, maybe talk about something a little more fun. Maybe is that sarcastic fun? I'm scared. You're making a scary yeah, I'm, face. I'm nervous. I'm okay. nervous, and I, I'm nervous. We're gonna talk about crime, specifically a string of surfboard-related crimes that's been happening in Santa Cruz, California. Boards are being damaged and even stolen in a variety of ways. And local authorities announced this week that they think it is all being done by one criminal mastermind who just so happens to be a five-year-old sea otter. <laughs> I, I like this story. That's this like, an, like this is, did he, did he train with the orcas or, or, or That's what? what I'm saying. They're on the same team for sure. They're team water. Um, yeah. Team C. Uh, so this, this it's, uh, she's, it's, it's, it, her, uh, it is a lady sea otter, though. Hell yes. Um, yes, that's right. Ladies to the front. Um, the Patty Hearst of the sea. <laughs> she just keeps like fucking up people's surfboards. <laughs> she said, "Fuck y'all," and you know what? I support it. <laughs> like some like. Wait, is it is it known that it's this otter? Or is it they, just conjecture? They said, they said that it's the same one uh, that keeps doing it. it. So she's like, at one point, she like scratched up a guy's surfboard. Another point, I think they said that she stole his surfboard. Like got on it while he was in the water and like rode it away or something. I don't know how this works, but I love it. I don't care what the details are. This is the, this is the story we need right now. Okay. Yes. But also <laughs> I feel very much like, uh, some of these dudes maybe just whiffed it and their boards <laughs> floated off and they were like, I'm There's blaming this, this otter. otter. <laughs> you wouldn't even believe you wouldn't even believe she fought me. She hit me. <laughs> she scared me. This is the future that liberals want. Like a man can't even surf anymore without a without a lady otter just <laughs> kicking him off the board. You'd think if they were making it up, they'd choose something more impressive sounding. They'd be like, I fought a whale and the whale barely won, right? Like yeah. <laughs> Depends. That's Andrew Tate, but that's an extreme case. That's an extreme case. But I'm talking about like a regular just a, just some regular dude. Yeah. He's like, nah, my girlfriend's not going to believe I fought a whale. She might believe I fought an otter, though. And, and lost? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude logic. Also, she otters... You should have seen the other otter. <laughs> otters are also, like, kind of bigger than we think they are, aren't they? Am I, I confused? I feel like otters are the ones that hold hands, right? When they sleep. 
Yeah. Some of them, but they're like like lake otters. Are there a difference between lake otters and sea otters? I didn't even know there were otters in Santa Cruz, honestly. (laughs) I know very little about otters other than I love them. (laughs) They're cute. Yeah. I'm going to find out right now how big an otter is. You know what? Okay. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so there's river otters. The, okay. Okay. I've seen now. metal videos of river otters fighting on Reddit, like two coalitions of them. Whoa. Now, in that video. Like oh. otter gang fight? Yeah. Okay. okay, maybe there's more to the otter crime wave than... <laughs> so adult... They're aggr- they can be aggressive. They're like passionate animals. Adult river otters weigh 10 to 33 pounds and are about <laughs> two and a half to five feet in length. So that's like Emma's size. That's like the size of my little dog. Now, sea otters may grow up to five feet in length and mm. the males typically weigh 80 to 100 pounds, but can weigh more than 100 pounds. There's lots oh. of kinds of otter, apparently. Um also, May 27th is World Otter Day. Great. We fucking Mark your it. calendars. Late <laughs> as usual. Well, uh, thank you for the otter update, Deanna. I appreciate the uh, the otter effort that you put into the show every every week. Um, 13 species. Wow. Wow. Giant what? otter. Hold on. We got to oh, get on, one more on, otter fact. <laughs> okay. Uh, the giant otter. Ooh, it's carnivorous. South American. A member of the weasel family. (laughs) Globally successful group of predators. Five foot 11. Taller than some insecure guys I know. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, let's see. I'm 5'11 and insecure. Taller than, tall tall as you. Not really insecure about my height, but Uh, a lot of other things. It's the noisiest otter species. Okay. Uh, distinct vocalizations have been documented that indicate alarm, aggression, and reassurance. Wow. Big, big otter. I uh, saw this um, thing going around on, I think it was on Facebook. And it was just like a one of those things, just like, a, a you know, a prompt or whatever. And it was um, replace all the vowels in an animal's name with the letter O. And I replied, Poocock. <laughs> let's move on i'm so um, <laughs> mad we were having a nice time we were talking about otters we we're talking about the the sea life takeover giant otters they're just like us um insecure and under six feet tall we were onto something and you know what you ruined it with Pucock and we deserved better the listeners deserve better <laughs> The listeners do deserve better, um, and we are going to fail them once again with this story, which I only have a headline for. Nice. Uh, holy shit. This week, uh, Sheehan was hit with RICO charges. <laughs> wow. They are hitting... <laughs> They are hitting the fast fashion world uh, with allegations of being a fucking mob, dude. And I think that's hilarious. I did watch a TikTok explaining this, but whenever people speak in TikTok voice, it's very hard for me to retain the information because they sound uh, like TikTokers. Yeah, Yeah, they sound very weird. Um, But yeah, so Sheehan is uh, allegedly a criminal conspiracy 
and I buy that. Did we talk about the the Shein influencer videos that were like a week or two ago? No. Were these the ones where they were saying it's actually like woke to support fast fashion and classes not to? Yeah, they they invited some like TikTok influencers to China to tour the alleged Shein factory. Oh, right, right. right. It was like so clearly like... A Potemkin village. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People were like at first like, you know, I did not get paid anything to go on this all expenses paid trip. (laughs) It's (laughs) fucking so funny Um, because there's also videos of the same people talking about how well Shein pays them for their partnership with the company. It's like, dude, what is... How can you be this, like, blatant, blatantly contradicting your own story about what? I mean, whatever, get your bag. I don't give a fuck. Uh, but it is now funny that those same influencers uh, have been working with the mob. <laughs> like, <laughs> also funny to think about TikTok influencers like getting subpoenaed, like, to talk to the FBI about about RICO charges. Yeah. Having to wear a wire to go to your meeting with a fashion part. I don't know how words work. But yeah, so apparently because the way Shein operates is... Am I saying that right? It's like two syllables. Shein. Yeah, because it used to be called Shein style. Okay. And then they cut it to Shein. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Um, So I guess the way that like their company functions is they have like multiple different companies under the same blanket company. So like one of the things that they get hit with allegations for is stealing designs from like independent creators on the internet. And because if it was just one company, they could get sued. What they do is they have like a subsidiary that steals the design and then sells it to a second subsidiary that then manufactures it and then sells that to Shein itself. So, but they're all the same thing actually but so like that's again i heard this explained it didn't really make sense that's the best i can do to kind of sum up why they're getting hit with fucking rico charges i mean here's the thing is that's what most companies fucking do like right they this is so i feel like this is about something else oh uh, Okay, it's just because it's from China. It's the same thing with TikTok. Like, TikTok collects all our information. So does every other fucking app. I was just about to say, like, this is not about, this is not about shell companies. This is not about- It's not about the, like, vertical integration. Yeah. Yeah, it's not about a major, uh, a major corporation ultimately buying its suppliers and owning the entire supply chain and the means of production. Uh, And it's it's about- importing things from China. It's about cheaply manufactured goods from China. I wish that it was about uh, the moral implications of, of, you know, and the, and the humanity, the human implications of, uh, of sweatshop labor, but it's not even fucking about that. It's about like this from China. China is bad. We must get rid of it. We must find a way to, uh, uh, loop, loop, de loop, and loophole through the legal system to make this uh, bad on paper, because that's the only way we can do anything about it. But they're really uh, pursuing RICO charges against them. Like, it, it, if this goes through, it would set a precedent that actually could be widely a- applicable to a ton of corporations. So I would be uh, interested to see how that plays out in the long term. But it probably won't. So uh, they're probably just going to go after this company and then. 
go after some other people in a way that's shitty. Yeah. Or maybe Sheehan is actually the mob because who the fuck knows? <laughs> who the fuck knows indeed. Okay. That um, would be cool. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> I, I might have to. From them. <laughs> right. Currently in like the like Sheehan versus the powers that be. I feel like it's sort of Godzilla versus like, you know, um, Rodon, right? Like it's like I don't like I want I don't want either one to win. I hope everyone. But if it turns out that Sheehan (laughs) is like this like underground conspiracy involving like you know like like a whole mob thing, that's 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 pretty awesome. I I do have to say, Uh, yeah. yeah. And honestly, the mob is like exemplary. Uh, exemplary conduct in the vertical integration sphere. I mean, the mob really, (laughs) like, honestly, the mob has vertical integration on fucking lock. Like, capitalism could learn a lot. So that would explain kind of why it's working so well. If it, it, You know what? Two things could be true at once. Unadulterated capitalism is very hard to distinguish from a literal fucking mob. Um, Okay. Or I guess mafia is a better term to use there. Hey, let's... Organized uh, crime either way is the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I do want to just touch on this. I don't have a lot of info. I don't even really want to talk about this much, but I just, so there's been like all these stories in the last couple weeks about, uh, Supreme court justices being corrupt as fuck. And it's, it's shocking how like they didn't even try to get away with it a lot of the time. Uh, but it's also, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking because like nothing is going to come from it. And these people will just continue to destroy our lives. I don't really want to talk about it too much because there's not really anything fun to say, but uh, I did just want to bring up that I saw a story that uh, apparently Clarence Thomas, uh, one of his aides was getting bribes on Venmo, like (laughs) publicly available (laughs) Venmos, just getting bribes on it. And again, nothing will come. it's, It's so disheartening. I think that like, because this is again like an unfortunate uh, circumstance of of the internet. Is you know things happen, these things come to light, and people express their outrage about them, um, and then like that's all that ever comes of it. And I don't know if that is revealing uh, people's willingness to forget about something once they themselves have spoken their piece about it. Or if it's indicative of how much shit was was being let slide always all along, yeah. um, and now and now just we we know about it, uh, like how um, Democrats didn't did not actually care about COVID, but we're kind of pretending to whenever Trump was in office. It's like that same thing. The Democrats don't actually care about corruption at all, but because they can't do anything. Uh, I'm sorry, because they pretend they can't do anything about the Supreme Court. Now they're pointing it out to just like get people mad. Uh, but, but then they won't do anything about it. So it's like well, it's election season now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So they want everybody to be angry. But then once they win, they want everybody to be calm. Yeah. Well, and they want and like in in set up for election season. Um, because the left like because liberals are so fucking tepid uh and and unprincipled and dispassionate people uh they're trying really weird tactics to like get the kind of outrage that galvanizes people to the point where they will like 
you know, vote blue no matter who. Mm -hmm. um, because there is nothing actually tangible that they are offering to people that would incentivize them in any other way. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Exhausting. Yeah. Truly, truly. Um, okay, so we have one. <clears throat> we are going to talk about the uh, SAG-AFTRA strike. Uh, but before we get that, I just wanted to do a very quick story here. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of a where are they now? And we're going to make it a game. I'm going to have you guess. So uh, this is a where are they now for uh, the people behind the picture of the dress. Is it blue and gold? Is it white and black or whatever the fuck? That it was. <laughs> Uh, so you know, you know the dress. Did you see the update to the story this week? No, I did. So okay, I okay. So you can't. I should guess. recuse. I'll guess. recuse myself. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, Deanna, I wanna, I wanna ask you, uh, why do you think these people are uh, uh, back in the news this week? Hmm. It was a husband and wife for the people that posted it originally. Ooh. Well, maybe. Uh, let's see. Was there cheating followed by crimes of passion? Was there racism followed by crimes of hate? Was there uh, domestic violence? Was there drugs? I mean, uh, there's so many savory options. Or you know what? Maybe they're just back with a, another <laughs> colorful garment <laughs> produced by uh, the Chinese mafia under the name of multiple uh, small shell corporations. Um, and, and they're back to argue about colors and lighting and the visible light spectrum once again, inspiring us all. Well, uh, you gave about eight guesses and okay, one, well, one, one of them playing, was right. I was playing by myself, okay? There were supposed to be two of us in this game and my opponent recused herself. And so I had to be myself and the opposing players. And you uh, somehow managed to win. <laughs> first, first guess. This wow. was a, a um. I have a real knack for the unsavory. Yeah. So uh, the reason this couple is back in the news is this week uh, the husband is accused of attempting to murder his wife. So yeah, 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 yeah. There's like it's wild to hear. You know they. <laughs> In 2015, we're all like, what color is the dress? And just uh, just less than a decade later, we're like, hey. Whose blood is on the dress? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Was that too dark? There was something very postmodern about the fact that I was seeing the news story pop up on my, on my Twitter feed. And the dress was in it, right? That famous same screenshot of the dress. And unconsciously against my own volition, I found myself trying very hard to see it blue and black because I've all... You've been and then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I did see I did see a little resurgence uh, of the article, but uh, I don't know if it was before we started recording or now or what. Time is, in, time is a flat frisbee and it's lost in the yard. But I... <laughs> Uh, I, you were saying something about like being so online that you're seeing like a filtered filter of a filtered lens of a piece of information. Like suddenly people are arguing about something stupid and it's like, once again, my timeline has buried the lead. I did not know that's why we were talking about the dress again, but I did see some people arguing, uh, about the dress 
again. And so I could imagine now, now I know that that's why also tells me a little bit more about why I did see a reply that was like a woman could have died. And (laughs) I didn't know. I thought that it was like, just, you know, like people on the internet just say, say bizarre shit. Like people do be saying stuff. Right. Like I just thought that was someone trolling like, Oh, we're taking this argument so seriously. Like, Oh, a woman could have died. No, like, whoops. Sorry about that, girl. I I hope you get to live a lot a life long and full of many girl dinners forever. Or maybe yeah. you're shitty and you still don't deserve to die. So, it, girl right, dinner. Right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's clear who we root for in this in this story until they dig up her old tweets. Yeah. It's, yeah <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: is I'm rooting for the people that see the dress, the colors that I see the dress, because everyone else, <laughs> obviously, these people are are. It, they're I'm not all right Deanna out with it what colors what colors do you see it that shit was white and fucking gold okay? yes it freaking was it was only ever white and gold like I'm looking at Andrew right now wearing blue and black and I'll tell you that that dress would look terrible on you my dude most clothes do I'm fucking gross <laughs> um yeah, I'm I'm going to actually hold off on saying which side uh, I'm on in this story until I hear both of their answers as to what color the dress was, but that's all right. Um, Whose answers? The... <laughs> The, 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 the parties people? in the, the in the, the, par- crime? the parties in the crime. Yes. I, imagine imagine this goes to trial and that has to come up on the jury and the jury gets deadlocked. It's over like the in process. <laughs> okay, but like at a certain point, wouldn't they just bring the actual dress? Is the color of the dress a factor in the attempted murder? Were they still arguing about the dress? I feel like this is going to be a very interesting court case if that happens. <laughs> like, they just bring Ladies the dress. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'd like to turn your attention to Exhibit A. <laughs> right, like, instead of trying to murder his wife, this guy could have just told us all what color the dress was and actually added value to society. What a piece of shit. Fuck you, dude. I bet that it will come up in the case, right? Like, I mean, come on. These these lawyers are going to be thinking of ingenious, like bizarre, apocryphal defense theories, right? Like the the stress from the dress, you know, like pushed him over the edge. Say stress to the dress. (laughs) Say stress to the dress. You just go to like uh, a store. Uh, You go to it's you go to a therapy a therapist's office and um, some smart mouth man brings out just three different therapists for you to try on and everyone who's traumatized you for your entire life gets to pick which gets to yell at you about which therapist you should book an appointment with. <laughs> yeah. So say, say yes to the stress. Say stress to the best. Uh, uh, say stress to this mess. Anyways, okay, so we're going to get to our final story for the week, and that is, of course, Hollywood is going on fucking strike. I guess they are technically on strike right now. Um, So after the writers have been on strike since the end of May, I think it was, uh, this week, the actors uh, through SAG-AFTRA are now on strike as well. This is, uh, you know, clearly a... A huge thing. This has only happened one other time in the history of Hollywood where both the writers and the actors were on strike at the same time. Fun fact, the president of SAG-AFTRA when that happened the last time was Ronald Reagan. He, he uh, according to reports at the time, he was not very involved. <laughs> Everything old is new again. Uh, the funny. Reagan era. The Reagan era. This is 
trickle down strikeonomics. The president of SAG-AFTRA currently is the motherfucking nanny, Fran Drescher, who was coming out hot on TV, bringing that heat for the executives in their press conference, talking about how like the streaming industry has essentially just fucked everybody's ability to make a living doing this. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, there's... Wait, sorry. If Go Fran ahead. Drescher is for the people or for the... What, what, what? She's for the actors. Okay, She's, just yeah. making sure. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to make sure that I didn't have to cancel Fran Drescher because, you know what, I'm just chipping off pieces of my personality left and right. Yeah, no. Um, so with SAG-AFTRA, like, people think, like, oh, these are actors, they're rich. Uh, but that's just not how it works. Uh, it is 87% of SAG-AFTRA members do not earn enough to get uh, health insurance, which is $26,000 a year, meaning that 87% uh, of them make less than $26,000 a year. So that's uh, clearly, you know, a lot of people that are actors in shows that you would recognize still have to work jobs uh, that are like day jobs. I saw something from uh, the cast of Orange is the New Black was giving interviews about how little they were paid for like the show that made streaming a thing essentially uh where they were talking about like yeah on season three i actually lost money because i had to uh, pay for my own travel and it was filming out of town um i saw a residual check from one of the actresses who appeared in i think six seasons uh kimiko if you remember yep uh her residual check for the year was 27 dollars so that's sick. Uh, yeah. So what's unfortunate about it is that like streaming, it's streaming in and of itself didn't make it impossible for people to make money. It's that the machinations of corporate legal teams have manipulated contracts uh, and refused to negotiate contracts in a way that allowed for uh, for the talent to make money from streaming uh from from views yeah. like scar this you know we saw a very specific example of this with scarlett johansson with uh black widow where you know uh her her deal had been inked pre-covid and and she was supposed to be paid in like a percentage of ticket sales or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then they refused to renegotiate despite the fact that like movie theaters were literally like not fucking open. Basically, like the underlying problem is that the industry, uh, the entire function of the industry has changed and the uh, way that performers are paid has not. And that is unacceptable to those performers. And I think that uh, that is a very reasonable uh, uh, concern of theirs. Yeah, I now, support it. A few people have said somewhat uh, opposing things. This this week, uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger said that striking workers, uh, st striking writers and actors are being unreasonable in their requests. Now, fun fact about Bob Iger, uh, he came out of retirement two years ago and has since made $54 million being the CEO of Disney. That's pretty... I would, I would say that is more unreasonable. 
to make $54 million in two years to call shots. Right. I, I would say that's very unreasonable. Even I would say extremely unreasonable. <laughs> I not to, to not to reinvoke the sort of sort of hall of mirrors thing where you're looking at something on Twitter and you're seeing, you know, like a, a reflection of a reflection, like like I, I said earlier. But um I saw some tweet when I was scrolling this morning that was that it was this bizarre sexist take. And basically this person's opinion was um Oh, you know, like these, these, the, the, the SAG strike is basically emblematic of like women co-opting what labor unions are all about, which is this very masculine thing. It's supposed to be for steel people. It's supposed to be for, you know, like, like, you know, um, like ag, et cetera. Um, of course, you know, obviously this is just silly and unserious, but I think it like, it, it points out this really clear thing because I don't think that. There, there are these two different ways that people perceive these kinds of like, you know, strikes or worker agitation in general, right? So you have this like, you know, you have um steel workers or or rail workers who are on strike and they still get like absolutely fucked, right? However, there's this sentiment of general support, there's this received view about their like inherent nobility. And then when it's actors or God forbid, when it's Starbucks baristas. There's this prevailing sentiment that they're like soft-handed professional managerial class, right? Like, mm -hmm. and they don't deserve these kinds of gains that are by and for these big, gruff, you know, like men who are in the mines. It's it is very, it is very gendered, and I think that we often ignore that when we think about how this divides into the kinds of strikes that get sympathy and the ones that don't. And it also relates to this thing we were talking about earlier about like people's bodies and what we regard as like good use of, of, of bodies. You're supposed to be chipping at the coal. You're not supposed to be making, you know, like you're not supposed to be sort of subtly making expressions on a film screen. That's not real work. That's the, that's the idea. But the reality is that that's, it's have that enforced, uh, that, the enforcement of that gender bias is just in support of keeping the entirety of the labor class divided, which is the same way that they weaponized race um, in previous eras to prevent the like the, the reality is that whether you're acting on a screen or you're down in a coal mine, you're part of a labor force that's being exploited by the powers that be for their personal yep. profit. Uh, at a significant loss to yourself of whether it be your time or your health or your like just bodily or mental wellness or whatever the fuck you're fucking losing by being the cog in some other cunts machine. Like it's literally gendering it in that way is just a is just a means of preventing these varied uh, varied labor forces from supporting one another in a way that is uh, tangible and supports actually like uh, long-term sustained like unilateral action. Yeah, I'm not it's gonna- very effective yeah. to, to, to make us think about different facets of labor organization as a zero-sum game that it must come at each other's expense. It actively frustrates unified organization across sectors, across- all sorts of people. Yeah, it is uh, truly one of the most unfortunate truths uh, that I see in the world is that uh, the people in charge know that if they can just get us mad at each other and wreck our solidarity, that they can kind of get away with whatever they want for forever. 
Um, but I will say, I want to end with a couple quotes here uh, that maybe their luck is running out. Um, the first is a quote from an anonymous CEO. Didn't want to put his name on record uh, where he said this week that the studio's plans were essentially to just wait out the striking workers. And he said that, like, you know, once people start losing their homes, they're going to be more willing to take whatever deal we give them. That's the first quote. It's not an exact quote. I'm paraphrasing a bit. Uh, but I do want to read a response to that which is an exact quote. Uh, this is from Ron Perlman on Instagram in, in a live video. I want, I want to read this quote in its entirety, and this is going to be me reading a paragraph out loud, so buckle the fuck up. <clears throat> You're not going to try to impersonate Ron Perlman, are you? No, no. Thank fucking God. All right, go ahead. Quote, the motherfucker who said we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their houses and apartments. Listen to me, motherfucker. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. Some of it is financial. Some of it is karma. And some are some of it is just figuring out who the fuck said that. And we know who said that and where he fucking lives. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people. You wish that families starve while you're making 27 fucking million a year for creating nothing. Be careful, motherfucker. Be really careful because that's the kind of shit that stirs shit up. Peace out. End quote. Okay, but, <laughs> but what I feel about this is that Ron Perlman believes that it was... Uh, previously mentioned CEO of Disney. It's uh, D David Zasloff is the head of HBO Max Warner or whatever the fuck. Oh. I, th I might be saying his name wrong. Z Zaslav Wait, do or we? Something. How do we know who who it is? How is that info? That info just leaked. I'm not entirely sure, but it was like one of those things where, like, people more familiar with it were like, I think this is coming from him because mm. he, the guy that is the CEO of like eight of max or whatever, like he is making a lot of really fucked up decisions over the, since he took over, like for example, getting rid of the name HBO insane. Uh, there was like the whole Batgirl movie that they made and filmed and like put the whole, did the whole thing just and threw then it away. just threw it away for a tax write off. They got rid of like shows so that they could like save money. Like, there's i don't know if it's been fully confirmed but i think that it is enough people know like enough people are like yeah we we know that this was this motherfucker is evil fair enough i mean my entire basis for my uh thought about it being the ceo of disney was that before you said that in two years he had made 54 million dollars and uh this the the CEO that Ron Perlman called out makes twenty seven million dollars a year, and I know we don't do math on this podcast, so I'm on real thin ice. But you are on fucking a sh a paper thin sheet of ice with a hair dryer pointed straight down. You're about to turn it on. Are you sure you want to finish that sentence? Yeah, let me uh, let me drown. <laughs> let me drown in my own, like my ancestors on the Titanic. Let me drown in a freezing cold watery grave. Uh, by telling you that 27 times 2 is, in fact, 54. I, I was aware. Um, but Were you? You yeah. did math, too. So, fuck you. I did math outside of the podcast. I do math all the time, just not while we're recording. Oh, yeah. I do <laughs> be hitting so you. Gauche. I do be hitting you with the quick math <laughs> while we record, and it really stresses you out. There's only one number I want to hear about on this podcast, and it is... We're an hour and a half. No, no, no. We're an hour and a half into this can't believe it hasn't come up yet 
9-11. Never forget. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> Virgil, thank you for joining us. Wait. <laughs> that really is quite the quite the closing remark. Yeah. <laughs> no. Nah, there's, wait, there's something else. We got to talk about something else about the strikes real quick. Real oh, quick. okay. Uh, this is not about the Screen Actors uh, and the Writers Guild striking. However, uh, important note to our listeners right now, UPS is having a contract negotiation mm. with their uh, UPS labor union and they are not settling on a contract and uh, their current start August 1st, August 1st strike starts their current contract runs out uh, on, on the 31st they're done. So uh, I was talking to, we have, I have a really special relationship with the UPS guy that uh, comes to my place of work because I'd be ordering a lot of stuff and so I was, I was talking with him and he was like, okay, well, here's how we can strategically stretch your ordering over the next three weeks to make sure you get everything. Because I was like, look, I'm not trying to be a scab, but I got to order shit for this business. And so, uh, I just, you know, on behalf of my personal UPS guy and, uh, all the other UPS folks out there, don't be a fucking scab. Order your stuff before August 1st or pick an alternate shipping method. Yes. And I feel like this probably goes without saying to the kind of folks that listen to this podcast, but just in case like you might be either on the fence or be confronted with this because there are a lot of people that say this uh, and they said it just with the same with the railroad strike and everything else. Um, there was a projection this week that a 10 day strike would for UPS would result in $7 billion of lost revenue in the economy. Now, people present that strike, uh, the, that figure, $7 billion. They present that is why would the workers do this? What is important to remember is that the CEOs are the ones that are choosing to force the workers to do this. They could get a better contract. They could share some of their profits. They are choosing not to. It is the people in charge that force the workers to strike. So don't fucking fall into that trap of like, oh, that is a lot of money. That is a lot of damage to the economy. It's not the workers damaging the economy. It's the fucking CEOs that refuse to right. fucking listen to their workers. Don't be mad. Don't be mad at the people that look that are living lives that look similar to yours because you're being told that they're working against you when really uh, they just want the kind of rights that you would want for your own fucking self. Uh, yeah. Also... And be kind when you see some when you see UPS people out there in the next couple of weeks, you know, just be a little kind because uh, on one hand, you know, my my pal, my pal at UPS was like, yeah, I mean, we're going to strike. That's what we're going to do. Like, I'm not going to come to work. But, you know, on the other hand, I know that he is uh, married and has a family and is like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen if, uh, you know, I'm not working and I don't have a contract. So these people are also making choices that are scary for their own families. Uh, so, you know, don't, don't be shitty to the UPS folks. That's it. That is it. CEOs take more submarine trips to remote places at the bottom of the sea and die there. Yeah. Get in more race cars, uh, build a helicopter in your backyard and try it out. High risk maneuvers all day. Go naked bungee jumping. Uh, Virgil, uh, thank you again for joining us. <laughs> Do you have a closing remark there? <laughs> what would you like about CEOs the, to do? <laughs> about anything. Well, I, I, about, the, about the $7 billion lost to the economy, I, I do have something, which is just, 
what if if people to to whatever you know ima- these people are hard to imagine i mean i see them i run into them i talk to them but it's hard to really get inside their head these people who think oh we can't sustain this you know it's too great a blow to the economy what do they think the purpose of a, of a strike is because nothing's exactly, going to change yeah. if we can't take a scratch like what kind of you know sort of like lily livered you know nonsense would that be like we 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 sh- we got to be willing to 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 get a little dirty, to get a little bruised. It's just, it's a trap of like American individualism that that we're like predestined to fall into this trap of thinking like, how does this affect me? Right. Before before thinking about anything else, and if the way it affects you is you can't get your little fucking treats in the mail, then it's like, oh, who's, I have to blame somebody. And yes, blame somebody, but it's the fucking CEO you should be blaming, not the fucking guy in the truck who is working his fucking ass off. Or the the people at the distribution center, because again, like back to that masculinization, etc. It's like this also applies not just to the drivers, uh, but other people throughout the the processing, right? Like it's not just the drivers to my understanding. It's it's other UPS workers uh, managing other parts of the distribution, the routing, uh, the the loading, all of these things, whether they're, you know, soft hands, some of the soft hands desk jobs or some of the more manual jobs. Don't let those like foolish those foolish dividers trick you. Don't yeah, I, I mean, I certainly, you. I certainly wasn't serious. I was imagining this person who draws the partition, but I don't think anybody, I wouldn't call any worker in this economy soft-handed. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, I wasn't yeah. saying that you thought that, but like people, right, right, right. but do. to the to this imagine, yeah, yeah. Well, fuck. Well, fuck. Um, Let's get the fuck off this podcast. Yeah, Virgil, uh, thank you for responding to my panicked. Uh, I have an hour to find a guest for the podcast post. And you've been awesome. You, you've been great. Thank you for joining yeah, us. Yeah, it's been so nice to be on. I, I didn't realize that you were so close by. Oh, yeah. We burged, so, up. We burged up out here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, tell folks where they can find you and follow you and check out your blog and stuff. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, so... My um, my Twitter handle is at Virgil underscore 30. Um, so, yeah, you know, feel free to follow me for back and forth metronome between unhinged um, nonsense memes and very sincere leftist posting. Hell yeah. Um, and then my uh, the, the blog is addictcollective.substack.com. There should be some new content on there shortly. So thanks so much again for having me on. It's a. It's a great podcast. I like the the balance of 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 treating treating stuff with a little bit of levity. It's the only thing I know how to do. It I'm keeps a, us. I'm a, yeah. I'm a clown. Sad clowns are still clowns. <laughs> is the message? Hell yeah. The most you know the best clowns really. Well, listeners, you know where to find me and Deanna. Or if you don't, figure it out. Uh, we but I do. Horseweekyet Yeah. Hell yeah. Bye. <laughs> More bad news. 